Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online and our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Here. I'm going to pray this morning. Dear God, I don't want to suffer what you say false teachers will suffer. I just want folks to understand how much you love them. Help me to get there this morning. Help me to communicate that. Amen. It's both hilarious and terrifying to me that one of the primary battlegrounds of the so-called culture wars that rage around us is this anxiety over the family unit and its integrity and centrality to our social and political life. It's terrifying in the way that family is usually a dog whistle for whiteness and compulsory heterosexuality and things like that. It's funny in the way that they appeal to scripture, of all things, for their model of family. I grew up listening to Focus on the Family media, which is enormously popular in conservative Christian circles. And I don't know if anyone here today ever listened to Adventures in Odyssey. You know that? Anybody else? Yeah? Okay, yeah, it was, it was super popular. It was a radio show that attempted to instill Christian family values through entertainment and storytelling. Chick-fil-A would give these out in in kids' meals, so you can imagine the kind of family values they're talking about. It was set in this generic, mid-century, Midwestern, nostalgic Neverland, soda fountains and patriotism and the Bible. And it played every day on the local station, and I would run home from school to listen to it. And there were breaks, and I would call into the local station to answer questions. And one time I won, and I got like a package, like a prize, you know, for winning. And the woman who ran the station would be at the county fair, and I would like go see her every year. So this was a very formative part of my childhood. And Focus on the Family has, has been on the front lines of the protracted antagonism towards queer and trans people and continues to call for a return to so-called biblical principles of the gender binary and monogamous heterosexual marriage, which of course couldn't be further from the diversity of sanctioned gender and sexual arrangements in the Bible. But the family unit must be protected, they say. Without it, they cry, our society will crumble. Don't threaten me with a good time. But... (laughs) But this sermon isn't, isn't about dunking on focus on the family types, because God is interested in family. But I want to talk about the kind of family that God is interested in and how to be that family. I haven't done the computer before, so this is a little different. It's working weird. Sorry. So in our first lectionary reading today was, we're called to leave their people. So what's the pastoral takeaway 
from that? What's instructive or encouraging about God asking them to leave their family? I'll get us there, but let's imagine for just a moment. Because there's this really interesting Jewish midrash on this text. Ancient interpreters trying to understand why Abram was chosen out of all the people in the world and out of evil Babylon specifically. So they thought he must have been particularly pious. And they imagined this story in which he grew up in his father's idol shop. His father was an idol maker. And sometimes his father would be gone and he would be there to man the shop, little Abram, as a kid. And people would come in to buy an idol and he would turn into the world's worst salesperson. Right? Because precociously pious, he would tell them how dead and lifeless and useless all these idols were. And so the customers would leave empty-handed and very confused. This made him an alien in his own homeland. He didn't fit in with their traditions. He doesn't believe in their gods or their ways. And then he feels this call to something far beyond the horizon of possibility available to him and his kindred. And so he was called out from it, away from his family and into the wilderness. We often see ourselves in stories wherever possible, and I see myself in this one. Growing up in a religion that did not hold me with care, that made me feel painfully small and alienated, against which I spoke up and acted out. And in the middle of this misery, a call came. One day, like it did for Abram and Sarai, to leave my kindred and my parents' home and wander in the wilderness. Some of you may be able to relate. You may have been called to leave your family because they did not hold you with care. Perhaps because to them you loved the wrong people, or your dreams were not their own, or because you refused the violence and abuse that they thought you deserved. But God calls us out. God calls us away from Babylon and from everything that would dishonor us. And I know how terrifying that wilderness can be, the wilderness we find when we leave the devil we know. But I can testify that God accompanied me, like God accompanied Abram and Sarai, and that new identity, Abram turned Abraham, Sarai turned Sarah, was just one wilderness away. So if you're still wandering this morning, there's something I want you to know. We are ready to be your home. We are ready to be your family. You can take a new name here. Now, secondly, on the theme of family, is the possibility of new birth, of living into a different kind of family altogether. And this is raised in our second reading, as Nicodemus tries to make sense of Jesus' claim that we must be born again. Now, we've heard enough of that language, I think, born again is like just one word squished together, that it loses its power, right? Conservatives have muddled its meaning But Nicodemus understands it literally. And so he's asking Jesus how the heck he's supposed to get back inside his mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus says, I'm speaking of an altogether different kind of birth. A different way of understanding the origins of one's being. 
the reimagining of relational responsibilities one is born into, the rejection of worldly codes of identity and belonging, something radically different. Because remember, Jesus also says in Luke 14, 26, that whoever wants to follow him must hate their father and mother. Now that's striking, hyperbole, of course, but it's another iteration of the same theme, of the way that we're called at certain times and in certain ways to abandon our family for a higher calling. I was watching this documentary with Catherine Gettles-Atwa. It was about James Baldwin, and he's there, and he's speaking to a bunch of folks. And uh, Dick Gregory is there, who was also an activist at, at his time. And, and he says at one point, tongue-in-cheek, that the best black liberation fighter does, he threatened to kill his own children if they weren't on the side of abolition. I think that takes us just a little bit closer to what Jesus is talking at when he asks us to hate our parents, to reject the concerns and claims of family for the call of Christ, just as Abram was asked to leave his family for this project, just as Nicodemus was commanded to be born again, just as Jesus told a crowd that they must hate their father and mother to follow him. We too are asked to abandon our commitments to this world, to the reproduction of its logics, to the perpetuation of its forms of power, and even to reject our own security. And this is, this is a mystical call, right? It's evocative, it's incendiary language, not meant to actually tell you to, you know, actually hate your parents, but it guides us into a mystery, inside a contradiction between the command to hate your father and mother and to also love them between our call to leave behind all worldly attachments and our responsibility to care for those who depend upon us. There are levels to this Christian thing. It's, it's always a deeper paradox. So I'm asking you to discover what this means for you this morning and to take it into yourself so that it changes you. Discover what it means to be both absent from the world and perfectly present to it to hate, and to love. Because this project that we're a part of isn't one investment among many. Like you go to work for money to live on, you go to the gym for your health, you go to church to get your spirit right. But no, the church, as cosmic and world historical project, isn't a book that takes its place alongside other books in your library. It's not even the shelving. It's not even the library itself. It's not even language itself. It's being itself. It's what makes the existence of anything at all possible. It's God. So to reduce God and this call to the gospel to a thing among other things in the world might take its place alongside father and mother, brother and sister, We're asked to give ourselves to this completely, to responsibility that is not just one among many.
we're called to new kinds of existence, new patterns of relationship, new commitments to care. And we're not just called to be born again into a new family, though that's part of it. We're also called to be that family for others, to turn away from an orientation which seeks to understand others' obligations to me and to instead understand my responsibility to others. And this is what I mean when I use the language of community care. I'm asking us to practice a different kind of relationality, a kind of mutuality that isn't secondary to our family commitments, but that expands to hold all of humanity inside that same family commitment. So hate your father and mother insofar as they demand to be treated as your only father and mother, as they make exclusive claims on you, as they attempt to separate you from our common commitment to love and care for one another without reservation or hierarchy or privilege. If that feels like an intense thing to ask, I think you're understanding me. It's a wild thing to suggest. It's no less incendiary than what Jesus is saying because I think it's another way of saying the same thing. But this is an unignorable pattern. God calls Abraham and Sarah from their family. God calls Nicodemus to be born again into an entirely new set of relationships. God calls us to hate our father and mother. This isn't focus on the family fetishization of family. It's a disruption of the way that we define belonging and responsibility. It's a call that draws us away from the narrow and the particular to the expansive and universal. God calls us away from family, but towards something else. The language of community care is a way of gesturing at that something else. I'll have a lot to say about that in the coming weeks. But I want to leave you with this destabilizing and disorienting call to leave your family, to hate them. Not in themselves, but insofar as their roles create artificial distinctions meant to regulate and redirect the way you love from the many to the few. We're called to love more expansively than that, to be born again into a new kind of relationality, one that we practice here together for each other and also for the world beyond. Consider what it means to make a commitment like that, to reconfigure your thinking and your being and your habits to redefine yourself not along the lines of blood and history, but in terms of the radical, new kind of existence God calls us into. And as we grow accustomed to this call, we'll consider how to practice it together, how to be the place where wanderers are welcomed, where the weary wilderness travelers find a home, where they can put down the burdens of their history and belong. Friends, if that's you this morning, if God has called you out from your kindred and your place, think seriously for just a moment that this may be the place to which you've been called. The seat you're sitting in right now has been prepared for you since before you left your parents' house. There's a meaning to your presence here among us this morning. And I shouldn't say among us, As if you were not already us. That's precisely the kind of distinction I'm trying to trouble. You are here as us. 
The meaning of your call to this place is for you to sort out. We may just be a stop along the way. But I just want to suggest to your imagination that maybe, maybe this is the other side of the wilderness. Or in Elder Jim Johnson's beautiful language, perhaps this is the end of the wilderness for you. You haven't been called away from what is familiar to be alone. You're called to join into a great ocean of belonging. You're called not only into a place of your own, but to create a place for others. You're called to hate so that you might love better. You're called to despise what narrows your capacity for love because you know that what guides our lives through all this great and terrifying mess of living is the command to love indiscriminately and eternally in war and in wilderness, in peace and in paradise, in Babylon and in Brooklyn. So leave your family, cross your desert, be born again and take a new name. Place yourself into a new kind of relationality, a new kind of family, and then turn and make a place for the ones coming behind you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.